Welcome to the Linwood Covenant Church Podcast, presented by Pastors Dave Osterkamp, Rachel Hart, and Chris Kelly. Join us each week as we dive into the timeless wisdom of Scripture, exploring Jesus' message of love, hope, and faith that unites us all. So sit back, relax, and let's get into this week's service. I, uh, we're continuing a series called Follow Me, where we are... Uh, looking at what it means to follow Jesus well, and so we've been looking at different uh, biblical characters and how they they follow Jesus to see what we can learn from their successes and failures. And the last few weeks we've been following Peter pretty intensely. And last week I said we're going to finish Peter's story uh, this week and really look at the the end of it. But we have two weeks left in our series, and so I wanted to finish Peter's story and I wanted to talk about Judas and. And I just couldn't talk about Judas the week of Thanksgiving. That just didn't seem right, uh, which, is, which is next week. And it didn't seem right to like finish with Judas because Judas is a, is a tragic ending. So, uh, so we're going to pause Peter's story. We'll talk about him a little bit today. Um, but then we're going to finish, um, and I'm excited to talk about um, Peter next week. It's going to be, uh, it's gonna be a, a lot to digest and some good stuff that we're going to talk about next week. But I don't know if you've ever heard a, a sermon on Judas, but unless you leave now, you're going to. So John, John chapter 12 is our, uh, is our scripture for today. Six days after the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. The word of the Lord. Judas is, of course, a heavy story, so yeah, it'll be a little bit more of a heavier sermon. Next week, we will, uh, it'll be a good ending, but there are stories Peter and Judas are are not dissimilar in a, lot of, in a lot of ways. At 11 o'clock, right down the end of the hallway here, we'll have our Sunday school. We'll be able to dive into some questions and a little bit deeper into the story. Uh, but every story, at least every good story, has a, has a hero and a villain. In English class, you might have learned them as the protagonist and the antagonist. Those are the, the technical terms that, that, in, in, that are part of a story. And then there's other, other characters in the life of of Jesus, Jesus is the, is the protagonist, and who is the, who is the antagonist? Who, who is the anti-Jesus? Some might say Judas, and you could maybe make an argument for that. I would, I would argue that, that, he's, that he's not. I would argue that we meet the antagonist in Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4. There, there we meet the devil, uh, Satan, 
the evil one, the one who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, the Bible says, the, the one who's described as the tempter and the deceiver, the one who's out to, to seek to, to separate God's men and women who are made in his image from the God who created them, the one who seeks to thwart God's plans and, and drive people away from God, that then in the story of the Bible as a story that, uh, that, that he is the, the antagonist and, and Jesus, God, is the, is the protagonist. In the Gospels, the main secondary characters that we come along, that come alongside the protagonists are, are Peter, James, and John. Those are the three closest to Jesus, and we've been diving into to Peter for a number of weeks. And there's other secondary characters and the main secondary character that comes alongside the deceiver, the Satan, the devil, is Judas. Judas is a common name. Jesus' own brother is named Judas, which it's like, ah, oh, man, like, you know, people like ruin, ruin names. There's a number of different people that are named Judas in the Bible. It was a common Jewish, Jewish name. Now, my first question is, as you read the Gospels and you read about Judas, is is Judas always on the wrong side of things? Is he always in the wrong? Is he always anti-Jesus? Did Jesus choose Judas because he needed a traitor in the bunch? Is that how it went? He's like, and let's see, I got 11 and I need a traitor, a betrayer. Ah, you. Like, let's, how about, how about you? Um, I would submit no. That's not why, that's not why Judas was picked. I would, I would argue that that Judas had the potential to be one of the 12 uh, men who would lead Jesus' church in spreading the gospel of good news, that there's forgiveness and new life and a fresh start to be found in Jesus, that, that Judas was to be one that was to spread the good news that the King of kings and the Lord of lords has made a way for you and I to have a place at his table. Jesus called Judas just as he called Peter and Andrew and James and John and Philip and Bartholomew and Thomas and Matthew and the other James and Thaddeus and Simon. And this group traveled and followed Jesus. They were discovering who he is and what his mission was. And as this group traveled, they needed to eat and they needed to find lodging and they needed to buy shoes every once in a while. They needed to, to do things that, that you and I need to do. And in Luke 8... Luke tells us that a number of women were helping to support this group, that all those things cost money, just like it costs money for you and I. And, and there were a number of women that were supporting this group. We can suppose that there were many others. Jesus had quite a movement over time, but, but Luke 8 highlights these women that, that, were, that were supporting this ministry. And the hope for a lot of people for this group of 12 that grew to 70, that grew to, to more than that, was, was that one day... Most of them were hoping that Jesus would send the Romans back to Rome, that we would have some freedom in our country and not have Romans occupying our nation and making us pay crazy amounts of tax and all of those things. And so you can imagine as this group is formed, they start to realize we're getting money in and, and who is going to be the treasurer? Like someone's got to organize this and keep track of it. So the Bible doesn't tell us how this went down, so we just got to kind of imagine it, that they're around a fire, and they're figuring this out, and, and they're saying, well, okay, we need, somebody, we need somebody to keep track of this. And it's safe to assume that Judas was probably good with money, um, that, that uh, maybe the disciples knew this, that, oh, wow, Judas, you, you, know, you got that accounting mind, you're very detailed, like you'd probably be, you'd probably be good at this. Maybe Judas volunteered and said, I'll, I'll do it, I like that job. 
Maybe they were just, maybe they were just making sure that Matthew didn't get the job, right? Matthew, Matthew was a tax collector who was notoriously a thief and, and, and the Jewish people felt like they were always stealing from them. So they were probably like, you know, if Matthew volunteered, they probably said, uh, no, you are not, you are not going to be the treasurer. We're going to find somebody else. And however it went down that night around the fire, or whenever it was, Judas was chosen. We don't know if Judas started stealing money right away. I would guess, again, we're doing some guessing this morning. We're filling in some cracks. But I would guess, like, you look at and you read a lot of stories of embezzlement and thievery. Like, it probably wasn't the first thing he did. Um, It probably was something that that he started to realize that that this was an opportunity. Um, That's my guess. He might have started stealing right away, but not necessarily. It might have been a year in, a year and a half in. We, We don't know. We don't have record of, of Jesus giving money away to people, but my guess is, is that Jesus was quite generous. He, he talked about it. My guess is the one who told us to pray as we just did, trust me for your daily bread. Be generous. Don't worry to, to, to give and to spread around the wealth. You'll have your daily bread. My, my, my guess is the one who told us to to live that way was pretty good at living that way himself. And so it seems that Judas knew by the time we get to John chapter 12, the the passage we read, which in the book of John is getting really close to the crucifixion, that Judas has started to realize he can take some money out of this and the disciples aren't going to know Jesus isn't going to know. And, and he would, he would, he would, he had a system. He had a way to, to pat his, his own pockets. And, and he knew that Jesus priority was the poor. Judas knew that. It was it's pretty clear he knew that. And so in this John chapter 12, when this woman comes and she starts to, uh, she starts to pour this oil and this perfume over Jesus, which was, which was quite expensive, it, it was, Jesus, Judas seemed to be dying a few deaths inside. Like he was just seeing the dollar signs. Oh, geez, that's so much money. And, and it's just going on, on Jesus. And, and it seems to be just grating on him. He's thinking about what, you know, if that came into the purse, you know, how much he could, he could siphon off of that without anybody noticing. And, 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 but he can't say that. He has, to make up, he has to make up some reason why this isn't good. And he says, well, we, I, you love the poor. If you love the poor, this money could really bless a, a, lot of, a lot of poor people. And Judas says that not because he loves the poor. As John records, in hindsight, they've discovered what Judas loved was money. And Judas' interest in money had gotten in the way of his relationship with Jesus. Judas had to decide at some point, as he was good with money, but then money started to prioritize his life, he had to decide, am I going to follow the way of Jesus or am I going to follow the way of Judas? What he, he didn't know is that he was in the process, like all of us enter in the process of being deceived, of being, of being led astray, to being led the wrong way, and, and Judas had to decide, am I going to follow the way of Jesus or the way of Judas? The way of Jesus is to be good with money so you can bless others in need, and the way of Judas or the way of the evil one is to be good with money so you can hoard it and bless yourself. And that's the path, that, tragically, that slowly over time, Jesus, Judas chose. He gets sucked into the way of Satan. And Judas begins to value money above all relationships, even his relationship with God, Judas not only betrayed Jesus, but he betrayed all of his friends as well. He threw it, he threw it all away, 
and he became completely consumed with himself. And that's what sin does. It starts to completely consume you with, with yourself. My question is this, interesting question to think about. What did Judas think would happen when he brought out the soldiers and religious leaders that dark night on the Mount of Olives? What do you think Judas thought was going to happen? Did Judas think that Jesus was going to be captured and killed? It seems like if you read the end of the story, that's not what he thought would happen. Now, we don't know for sure. So I always want to be clear when, when we're reading the scriptures and trying to connect the dots. But I'll make my argument why I don't think he thought that was going to happen. The end of the story would argue, I think, that, Judas, that Jesus' capture and crucifixion was a surprise. So I'll give you three ideas to chew on and think about. You think about what happened. One, one idea is that Judas had seen people try to capture Jesus over and over and over. And if you read the Gospels, it just never worked. It simply, it simply didn't work. In Luke chapter 4, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, it says in Luke 4 that a, a crowd wanted to throw Jesus off a cliff. And Jesus walked right past them and went on his way. That's what Luke records it. I'd love to see how that went down, right? How, but Jesus sees him confidently like, nah, y'all ain't doing that. I'm, I'm going on my way. Uh, Judas would have likely taken that in. And Mark, in Matthew 12 and Mark 2 and Luke 6, it records that they were discussing how to kill Jesus. And as you read the Gospels, it seemed like everyone knew it, that the religious leaders wanted to, uh, to end Jesus' life. In John 7... John records, some wanted to seize Jesus, but no one laid a hand on him. It wasn't his time. In John chapter 8, the next chapter, John records that they picked up stones to stone him, and he, and he, and he, just, and he passes through the mob. So they pick up stones, meaning they're ready, but something keeps them from hurling the stones. Jesus you know, it seems to be this untouchable person. And then in John 10, John records, so 7, 8, 10, John 10 records, and again they tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. Again, how did that go down? You know, was he like a football player juking and jiving? I don't think so. I think he just walked right on by, and they were paralyzed to actually do what they wanted to do. So maybe Judas just thought, I'm done with this group. They keep wasting money and giving it away. Jesus keeps talking about a new kingdom, but nothing's happening. I'll get 30 pieces of silver, about four months' wages. That's not, that's not a lot of money, but it's, it's nothing to, uh, to shake your head at either. I'll get, I'll get four months' wages, and, uh, and Jesus will escape, because he always does, and, and, uh, and, and I'll, go about, I'll go on my merry way. Maybe that's what he thought. I don't know. Option two, which a lot of people hypothesize, is that Judas is looking to get his four months' wages, and he's ready for Jesus to use his power just like everyone else is in Jerusalem, to get this new kingdom started, which for him is to, is to kick the Romans back to Rome. Judas maybe was saying, you know, we've been talking about this for three years. It's time for less talk and more action. I'll get my four months wages and I'll force Jesus to finally act. Are you the Messiah or not? Are you the one that's going to free us or not? In, in John 18, if you look at John 18, John records the encounter of Jesus and Judah in his Gospels, when Judas led his band of soldiers and betrayers out there, and they said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, and Jesus replied, I am, which is the name of God that was shared at the burning bush, everybody fell down. Everybody fell down. And, and, 
and, and I can imagine, we'll talk next week about Peter's reaction to this, but Judas might be like, yes, like, let's get this on. Let's, let's have this confrontation and, and let's get this new kingdom started. And maybe, maybe G- Judas expected Jesus, maybe, maybe he thought, okay, it's time to get revenge on this empire who's extorting and executing and abusing us. Let's, let's get this started, Jesus. And I know how to force your hand. Maybe that's what he was thinking. I just don't think that at the end, Judas expected Jesus to be handcuffed, tortured, beaten, and crucified. In the whole story, Judas wasn't the only one who betrayed Jesus. Peter, we'll talk about next week, pulled his sword and went all braveheart on the bit and tried to kill a guy. And Jesus had to heal him and, and chew Peter out. And the others, what did they do? They ran off and hid and saved their own, saved their own hide. Everybody deserted him. Matthew 27 records what happens to Judas. He says, in Matthew 27, if you, if you turn there, we see the crucifixion had, hadn't quite happened yet, I don't believe. But Jesus was captured. Well, we'll read it. Matthew 27, 1. Early in the morning, all the chief priests and the elders of the people made their plans known made their plans how to have Jesus executed. So they bound him and led him away and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. So he's captured, he's cuffed, he's in custody. And when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver, returned the four months' wages to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood." What is that to us, they replied. That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left, and then he went away and hanged himself. He ended, he ended his life. Interestingly, if you look in Matthew 27 and you look to the chapter previously, you'll see Peter. Again, we're going to focus on next week. But Peter denied Jesus, and the rooster crowed. And look at how it describes Peter's reaction. Immediately, a rooster crowed, Then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Right next to each other. Two people. Betrayers that realize their sin. Both seem to be broken. But what's the the difference? What's the difference between Peter and, and Judas? It seems like a similar response as you read Matthew 26 and Matthew 27. As you read it, it seems like the difference is one was remorseful. In Matthew 27, he uses this word remorseful. If you look at 2 Corinthians 7, it has remorseful and repent in the same story Paul's using because they're two different words. They're related. Most times, well, I would maybe say all the time, somebody who repents is remorseful. But not always, it seems, is somebody remorseful and repents. That's the, that's the, the next step. Judas seemed to know the weight of what he did hit him. But they had two different responses. And Peter got a lot of things wrong. But Peter's apparent belief in the mercy and grace and love of God was spot on. Peter held out, it seemed, that even though he had deserted Jesus, Jesus would never desert him. Judas felt bad, but somehow he couldn't imagine that it was possible that Jesus could forgive him. 
He couldn't seem to wrap his mind around that. You know, I got to imagine there were so many nights around a fire where Judas could have come clean. Judas could have said, guys, here's the deal, man. I, I've been struggling with money. I've been pocketing money. I've been spending it. And, and I got to let you know, like, like I am so, so sorry. Like, this, seems, this, is, this is just been something I've been struggling with, and I got to let you guys know. Imagine, like, three days after they had had dinner with Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus repented and started to repay all he had stolen. What was happening in Judas's body then? Like, was he wrestling with it? Like, he was doing the same thing. And, and he had a chance around the fire a few days after Zacchaeus had, had displayed this repentance and seen this forgiveness of God to say, hey, remember that little man, Zacchaeus? I'm a lot like him. Like, man, I've been doing the same thing. And I just got to tell you guys, like, uh, I've been struggling with this. I need forgiveness. And he didn't do it. He kept his sin in the dark. And even at the end, what would have happened if Judas would have repented? Would not the God who asked forgiveness for the Roman soldier who was nailing him to the cross had for, had, and would have had forgiveness in his heart for Judas as well? And Judas kept everything in the dark. And tragically, he never found the light. And it begs the question for us, do we believe there is grace and mercy and forgiveness for us? It's the great lie that there's not, that what we've done is too bad. We've deserted, we've betrayed, we've hated. Whatever we've done is too bad, and there's not grace and mercy for us. Next week, we're going to celebrate the good news as we see in Peter's life, the breakfast at the beach. This week, I want us to to sit and think about, about Judas that just didn't have the courage and didn't have the belief that God could actually forgive him. Some of us are there. If you read John 13, before this all went down, Jesus offered Judas a piece of bread and called him friend. Did he mean that? I think so. I think so. Before that, Jesus washed his his feet. Judas just couldn't believe that there was enough grace and mercy for him. And our question is, do you believe there's enough grace and mercy for you? Because the good news is, whatever your history is, whatever is there, there is. There simply is. You can't argue with the faults of the characters of the Bible that ended up writing the Bible, that God is screaming, whatever your history is, there's enough grace and mercy and forgiveness for you. And it's time to bring the sin and the darkness in your life into the light. That's what Judas never had the courage to do. And we know it takes courage. It takes courage to let God, to just be honest with God. Say, God, here's the deal. You and I both know this is going on and I need forgiveness That takes courage. And it takes immense courage to come up to the people in your life like Judas needed to, to the disciples, and say, guys, the money that's been given to us, I've been stealing some of it. And and but if he would have done that and around a fire, Jesus would have led those eleven men to embrace him and to forgive him and to say, Judas, let's start fresh. Give that give that money sack to Matthew. He's actually better at it. Let him let him handle it and and let's let's do this. And so as we enter Thanksgiving and Christmas, let's have the courage. And let's have the faith to know that that Jesus is ready to forgive and to give you a fresh start. Maybe there's parts of your life that you've just been hiding for a long time, even as you follow Jesus, and it's just time to say, no, I know I need to let this go. I know I need to bring this to light. I know I need to to write my kids or my parents or, or whoever it is and just say, yeah, I know that I've been doing this. We all know it, but I need to name it, and I need to ask for forgiveness. Tragically, Judas 
never had the courage to do that. May you and I have the courage to follow Peter and the other ten and end up on the beach with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, realizing that there's grace, there's mercy, there's forgiveness for all who seek it. Let's pray together. Lord God, as we kind of sit in the heaviness of this story, um, we know that there's, there's, always, uh, there's always a next level for us in our faith. There's always something that we're, we're kind of keeping from you. So as we sing this last song, may, uh, may we be, have the courage to face the mirror and, and even just to, to know in our, in our own lives uh, what it is um, that we maybe need to let go of, what it is we need to trust you with, um, maybe the people in our lives that we, we, uh, we may be sorry, but we haven't really voiced it, that we maybe need to do that. Uh, whatever it is, each of us have our own journey. God, help us to have the courage um, uh, to know that, that we can bring it to you and, uh, and that you seek to transform us and you also, you also will love us, that you're not going to kick us out. What you love is for your people uh, to repent and to trust you and to, and to seek after you. And so as we sing this last song, help us to remember um, that your mercy is, is always more. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope today's message inspired you to dig deeper into your own relationship with Christ and apply his words to your world. If you like today's message, feel free to check out Linwood Covenant's other podcasts, including past sermons. If you're looking for something to binge beginning to end, check out First Word, our first podcast series that guides listeners through the book of Mark. You can find all of these wherever podcasts are available. You're also welcome to join us for our full worship service, which streams on YouTube every Sunday morning at 9.30 Central Time. We'll see you next week. And remember, come what may, nothing will separate you from the love of Christ.